Ocean Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we got to religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors, and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome to What's the difference. This is Wretched Radio. If you've ever pondered the distinctions between Todd, the plurality of... Todd, pl- you, you're just going to do the whole segment that way? <laughs> you know, I just... Unbelievable. Apparently right. you're not familiar with method acting, aren't uh, you? You go deep into the character and it ain't doing. so easy to just come out of it just like that, Pally. So if you have been wondering what are the differences in denominations, Redeemed Zoomer overall, I think, does a pretty swell job of marching us through the distinctions between denominations in 12 minutes, starting with you, Baptist. Let's start with the Baptists. There's a lot that makes Baptists unique, but the main thing is baptism. Wait, no, not like that. Like that, yeah, they don't baptize babies, because they think baptism is a personal and individual choice. Most other Christians say baptism is what makes you Christian, but they think baptism is how you proclaim that you've already become Christian, by having a personal born-again experience, where you go from not Christian to Christian. So they're very individualistic, which is why they're most common in the southern United States. What was that poke about? <laughs> Not sure. You would think that people in the South were so individualistic, they, I don't know, tried to secede from the Union or something. And it's all about a personal relationship for them. So that means the church itself and its religious rituals matter a lot less than having a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. And the religious rituals the church does do, like the Lord's Supper, are really just symbolic. This is called being low church, where the church as an institution doesn't really matter that much. So because the church is really just a fellowship of individual believers, it doesn't really matter how the church is structured as long as they're following the Bible. So that means most independent or non-denominational churches are really just Baptist in terms of their beliefs. Now, you might not agree with every single angle he's taking. Pretty difficult to say all Baptists basically believe this. No, but overall, Jimmy, wouldn't you say... With the exception of that Southern crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he was pretty honest. I think he's doing pretty good here. Yeah. Let's continue, shall we? Yeah, so that's low church. An example of something more high church would be Anglican or Episcopalian. Episcopal just means they're run by a hierarchy of bishops because the church is very structured. So they try to hold a balance between tradition, reason, and scripture. They're very eclectic, meaning they try to take the best parts from various other traditions And that means they have a lot of diversity of belief. Some Anglicans seem more Catholic and others seem more Protestant. And a lot of Anglicans see themselves as like a middle way between the two. So there's also an evangelical Anglican movement. If you remember Robin, uh, 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 go ahead and tell everybody, Jimmy Robinson, the fellow who got bounced out of the Anglican communion. Uh, Cliff. Oh, that's 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 the singer from Great Britain. Witchy woman. If I'm not mistaken, Cliff Robertson. No, the Robinson, that's the guy's name. He's in the Anglican communion, but he moved to the Free Church of Anglican, which is an evangelical Anglican. In other words, just like with every denomination, you're going to have varying shades. It's difficult to understand what Anglicanism really is, but don't worry, they don't understand it either. 
But yeah, so Anglicanism still has a very rich tradition, and a lot of the prayers and hymn books that people use come from Anglicanism. In fact, a whole new branch sprung out of the Anglican tradition, the Methodists, or Wesleyans. You know that little triangle the Anglicans have of reason, scripture, and tradition? The Methodists add a fourth point and turn it into a quadrilateral. They add spiritual experience because John Wesley's whole deal was he wanted the Anglican church to be more spiritually active. Fire represents the Holy Spirit, which is why a lot of Methodist logos have fire in them. And of the three persons of the Trinity, Methodist thinking is centered a lot around the Holy Spirit who empowers us on the path or the method that leads to righteousness. And we all have free will to join or leave the path. Free will is very important for Methodists. And at the end of the path is entire sanctification, where in this life we can improve so much that we stop sinning completely. And along this path, there's a lot of service to the poor and working for justice as we strive for spiritual perfection. Not bad. I mean, if you're a Methodist, you might say, but hey, he didn't say it. Um, overall, a nice little cursor on denominational distinctions. Remember, though, denominations must have the essentials in common. So, for instance, sorry, but if you do believe that baptism is a requirement for salvation or if baptism makes one a Christian, uh, that's outside of small o orthodoxy. And certain groups arose out of Methodism that really focused on that part. The holiness movement says that if you really have the spirit, you're going to pursue holiness. And the Pentecostals go a step further and say that that includes speaking in tongues. So groups that spawned from these movements include the Salvation Army, the ones that are always doing charity and stuff, the Church of the Nazarene, a big holiness denomination, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, another big holiness denomination from Nigeria, the Assemblies of God, a Pentecostal group, and the Church of God in Christ, a historically black American denomination. Hey, Jimmy, Church of the Nazarene, isn't that where the revivals seem to be taking place? That's correct. Throughout the individualistic South? <laughs> it's, it's because they are a a stream of a Pentecostal or charismatic movement, a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. All right, next up are the Lutherans. They're named after Martin Luther because they come right out of the Reformation, where Luther wanted people to preach the gospel. So basically, Luther thought the Bible had two messages, really, law and gospel. Oh, that we would learn a little something from Luther on that subject. The distinction between law and gospel, the Reformers... Each and every one of them believe this distinction is the hinge on which your salvation swings, at least an understanding of what it means to live the Christian life, that the law only goes so far. Now, if you're not in Christ, the law is going to take you all the way to court and to punishment. You will go to trial, the law will convict you, and you will be condemned by the one who is the law and upholds the law, which is God himself. But if you have been born again, if you have responded to the gospel, the law has no more authority over you in making those distinctions. It will keep people out of one of two ditches. The ditch of, ah, Ah, I've always got to be doing in order to stay saved or to hopefully get saved or be in God's good favor. Or because we don't remember that the law still serves a limited function, it can make you lazy and potentially licentious back to Lutheranism. The law explains that you're not good enough, but the gospel says that's okay because Jesus is. So Lutheran thinking of the three persons of the Trinity is centered a lot around Jesus and his gospel, and they want to make sure that the gospel message is pure. Are you looking to your own personal experiences to know if you're saved? Don't do that. 
You need to be looking to Christ. How do you know that what Christ did is for you? It was given to you in baptism because baptism saves. Now, not every Lutheran believes that. Many do. Some do not. But the point that he's making about looking outside of yourself for security of salvation is a word we need. Now, I don't believe that that's at the exclusion of any sort of examination of personal experience, we'll call it. Got to be careful with those words, of course, because the Mormons would say they've got a burning in the bosom, which proves they have a personal experience, which would qualify them for one of the levels of paradise for eternity. Having said that, a Christian should feel something different. A Christian should start seeing a change in attitude, affection, will, emotions. So it is not without any sort of value to look at one's personal experience, but all too often, if we just spend all of our time looking inwardly, Oh, we are going to find sufficient grounds for disqualifying us from the kingdom. And so Luther is right. We must look outside of ourselves ultimately. That is where our assurance and salvation resides. Want to experience Jesus now? Again, don't look to your personal experiences. You need to look to something outside of yourself. Specifically, the Lord's Supper, where the body and blood of Christ are really present and given for you. That's right. When Jesus said, this is my body, he meant it because is means is. Seriously, you do not want to start a fight with a Lutheran about this. <laughs> Ask Ulrich Zwingli. Now, some Lutherans didn't like how the Lutheran tradition was so skeptical of personal experience and they wanted to focus more on it. So they became the pietists. And that's how you get things like the evangelical free church. Presbyterians are up next. They're also straight out of the Reformation and their beliefs are called Reformed. Reformed thinking is very God-centered, so they probably focus most on God the Father. Specifically, God's sovereignty and God's covenant. What? Sorry. The way God's in control of everything and the promises that God makes. Yeah, Reformed people use a lot of big theology words like infralapsarian, but the reason they use big theology words is because they're very focused on theology, because theology is the study of God, and they're very focused on God. They're theology nerds, and they're also kind of stereotyped as the nerdy Christians in general, and they're the most likely of all Christians to study science and stuff. But yeah, stuff. <laughs> Please keep in mind, and and if you're reformed, you can be a re baptistically reformed. You can be Presbyterian. You can just be flat out reformed. There are some distinctions, but I think his point about reform folks being big into theology and focusing on the sovereignty of God—that's accurate, and that is good, isn't it? But how do we know about the goodness of God? I mean, how do we really see him in action? And the answer is, you look to the second person of the Trinity, that Jesus Christ, the exact image of the invisible God. You want to know what the Father is like? You study the Son. We hope that you're enjoying this tour through all of the different denominations, courtesy of Redeemed Zoomer. You're not going to interrupt me again? Oh, no. no. <laughs> Stay you. in character. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. 
That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Well, thanks to our amazing gospel partners around here, we have been able to accomplish some pretty amazing things in 2023. This past year, we were able to launch Season 2 of Transformed, we launched Wretched Worldview 2, and let's not forget Season 4 of Road Trip to Truth, plus hundreds of hours of Wretched TV and radio. Now, what's possible for 2024? Well, we are excited to tell you about something new that we'll be starting next year. Can't let the cat out of the bag just yet, but what we can tell you is we need your help in order to make it happen. That's why we want you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. And right now through the end of the year, when you do that, every donation you give will be matched dollar for dollar. So join us, become a gospel partner today, and together let's make 2024 even wretched-er. In a good way, of course. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate and you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a third epistle, commending Christians who were walking in the truth and showing love by their hospitality. He warned against a selfish and diversive man whom he criticized publicly, specifically, and by name. As you continue to walk in the truth, take care to show hospitality to good teachers and avoid bad teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What are you exactly, or at least generally, this is Wretched Radio. If I asked you to identify yourself, which Protestant denomination do you mostly identify with? What would you say? Would you say Baptist, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Anglican, Methodist, Reformed? Or would you say none of those things? Might I just suggest to you, if that describes your systematic theology, that you don't sort of at least fit into any particular denomination, it is possible. I'm not saying it's definitive. I'm just saying that it is possible that you might be a Lone Ranger Christian who possibly has ridden off of the small O Orthodox range because you just, you've cobbled together your own thing. 
It's an eclectic bag that you've assembled. And while that might not be definitive that you are in danger, it sure could be a sign. When you can't identify with any of classic historical Christianity, Zoink Scoob, it, 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 it would be a little bit odd that you can at least identify that group of folks over there. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like those folks. Now, if you don't know for sure where you stand, maybe a more probing and more accurate question would be, how would others describe you? Would others be able to know about your theology, your statement of faith, your preaching or teaching, if you do that, and say, they're that, they're basically that? If they can't do that, yikes, you've possibly become a denomination unto yourself. Now, I'm not thinking of Andy Stanley at this moment. I'm just saying we should be able to, in general, say, yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning that way. Just ask and let's return to a Redeemed Zoomer. Very popular video. This one caught on. Not a lot of whiz-bangery in this YouTube video, but six million people have taken a tour through Protestantism, the big denominations. But now the video is going to ask us a question. What makes Protestantism Protestant. Is there anything that unites all Protestants? Yes, there are the traditional Protestant beliefs, but a lot of modern Protestants don't really believe those anymore. And by the way, if they don't and they're outside of orthodoxy, well, then we got nothing in common. But nevertheless, the question that the redeemed Zoomer is about to ask is super important if you're a Protestant. Especially because each Protestant tradition has liberal-leaning and conservative-leaning denominations that each have their own liberal and conservative factions within them. And the most radically liberal ones don't believe anything Christian anymore at all. <laughs> Great. There are some Protestant churches that have lesbian pastors and leftist political symbols, and there's others that make the news for their right-wing beliefs. Some Protestant churches look very traditional and similar to Catholics. Other Protestant churches look very contemporary and don't resemble a traditional church at all. So is there anything that all of these different Protestant groups agree on? Can you answer that question? Now, I get it. And the redeemed Zoomer set the table for us. A lot of these Protestant denominations aren't Orthodox at all. But in Protestantism, there is a key distinction between us, Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodox. Do you know what that distinction is? Yes, there actually is one thing. It's that the Bible has more authority than the church. A conservative Lutheran would say both the Bible and church tradition have a lot of authority, but the Bible has slightly more. A fundamentalist Baptist would say the Bible has a lot of authority, and church tradition doesn't have any authority at all, really. Just just to tidy that up a bit, the only way that church tradition has authority is if what they stated is in alignment with the Bible. Those of us who are conservative biblicists and have a high esteem for the Bible, well... We don't even have tradition and reason in view. It is the Bible and the Bible alone. But that doesn't mean we don't believe there's any value in studying church history. We aren't the only Christians who knew something, you know. A progressive pastor would say neither the Bible nor church tradition have much authority at all. But the Bible still has a little bit more given the church's history of patriarchy and colonization. And that's why there are so many different Protestant denominations. Because if the ultimate authority is the Bible and not the church, it's okay for the church to split if people have different interpretations of parts of the Bible. And for Protestants, that's okay. They can still be united spiritually as the church. 
and they can usually still take communion with each other. To be clear, again, we we can do communion together, but only if we have the essential boxes checked off. If not, we don't have fellowship at all. I've always seen denominations almost as God's concession, sort of like divorce. I hate divorce, but you knuckleheads, you just keep wanting to do it. So here's the rules to keep it under control. I sort of see denominations like that. Jesus wants unity. Now, to be clear, we can have unity if we're square on the essentials. We have genuine unity with one another. I'm talking about secondary and tertiary issues where we don't find ourselves in agreement, and it can make working together a little bit challenging. It could be the ordinances of the church, the polity of the church. It could be covenantalism, eschatology. It can make it a little bit difficult. So while I I realize that denominations, not ideal in a sense, it's God's kindness to us so that we aren't fighting constantly. Now, to be clear, we have a propensity to fight a lot, but It's to maybe keep us from fighting 24-7. Now, this idea is rejected by all the churches I'm about to go over because they all claim to be the one true church founded by Jesus and his apostles. Here we go. And they think that the church assembled the Bible, so the Bible can't possibly have more authority than the church. The most famous of these churches are the Catholics. They think that St. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom by Jesus, making him the leader of the church or the pope. If you would like to see our treatment of that text, you can visit the YouTube machine. I think it's 25 reasons Peter wasn't the first pope. And that ever since him, there's been an unbroken chain of popes leading all the way up to the current pope. And the authority that Peter had is currently held by the pope because of apostolic succession. It's all about authority for the Catholics. They think the church has the authority to forgive sins, cast out demons, and interpret the scriptures. So the church itself is the kingdom of God here on earth, and salvation is about participating in the church. So that's why they reject salvation by faith alone. They'd still say salvation is by faith, but faith includes cooperating with grace and participating in the church, specifically through the seven sacraments, the most important of which is Holy Communion, where the church has the authority to do a miracle called transubstantiation, where the bread and wine literally change into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. This is how we commune with Christ and all of his church on earth and in heaven. Yes, they believe that saints that have died and gone to heaven are still part of the church, which is why they pray to the saints and the Virgin Mary, not out of worshiping them, but just like asking them to pray for us. What else do they teach? Could argue that there's some worship going on there. Nevertheless. Well, it's a lot, so I can't really tell you, but you could look it up for yourself because Catholics have an answer to basically everything. Catholicism really wants to figure out everything about everything, and that's how they helped contribute to the development of modern science. Now, the Eastern Orthodox are the exact opposite. They leave most things up to mystery, and they even try to define God in terms of what he isn't. And they say we can't even really understand what God is, We can only perceive God's energies through our mystical, spiritual experiences. The Eastern Orthodox also claim to be the one true church. But By the way, doesn't that explain why it is so difficult to nail down an Eastern Orthodox when it comes to theology, specifically the doctrine of justification? It's because they actually work very hard to not be definitive on those theological issues. They had a big, nasty divorce with the Catholics about a thousand years ago. It was about a lot of things, but the biggest one was about the Trinity. You see, all the churches I've already talked about have this model of the Trinity, 
where the Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. But the Orthodox reject that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Son, saying that the Holy Spirit only proceeds from the Father. Why? It's complicated, but the biggest reason is that it's not part of their tradition. Incidentally, there, yeah, I don't know that I can say most, but many church historians would say that was really the theological mechanism that was used to perhaps justify the divide between East and West, because it's boy, it's it's it is getting into some theological weeds. They weren't getting along East and West, yeah, cats and dogs. So there was a whole lot of political behind the theological and an Orthodox. See, tradition matters most. That's why all the trad people online often end up becoming orthodox. So how does salvation work? Now, the orthodox reject Western ideas of original sin, and they don't like to talk in legal terms the way that the Catholics and Protestants do. So instead, they talk about theosis, where salvation is about oneness with God and uniting ourselves to God and sort of partaking in the divine nature itself. And that happens through the holy mysteries of the church. And there's another group of churches that claim to be the Orthodox churches, the Oriental Orthodox ones, these churches. Armenian, Coptic, Ethiopian Orthodox, Syriac Orthodox, and they all have varying distinctives, a lot of which are based on nationalism and the distinctives of their particular culture. That certainly does explain why it is so challenging to talk to an Eastern Orthodox. But please note this, many evangelicals, okay, a substantial amount of evangelicals find themselves attracted to the Orthodox and the Catholic systems because they do believe what they tell them, and that is they've got the direct line back to the apostles. Well, guess what, evangelical? You actually do. Why? Because we don't find ourselves connected to the early church based on a system or through a system, but on shared beliefs, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Kicking things off, a troubling new study claims most Christian colleges actually boosted abortion support after Roe v. Wade's reversal. Researchers are alleging students grew more pro-choice despite the conservative campus cultures. Although oddly, data shows a mere 5% increase versus the study's sky-is-falling rhetoric. Not exactly a seismic shift, but I guess... Christian kids slightly more torn on abortion makes for a boring headline. In any case, let's continue to pray the truth and scripture steer the next generation toward cherishing life. Up in Canada, Quebec has announced nearly $24 million to advance LGBT ideology through a so-called action plan over the next five years. The scheme follows tax dollars toward further normalizing gender theory in schools and public life. That's fun. When asked for comment, Quebec's Minister of Genocide, I mean Diversity and Inclusion, hailed the move to erase biological realities for the glory of being so progressive. Or in other words, get ready. More rainbow crosswalks and drag queen story hours coming to you, comrades. And from the holiday front, some cheerful carolers managed to spark some outrage in Kansas City. The Kansas City Church Group decided to spread some Christmas joy by singing worship songs at a local Walmart. But their acapella witness quickly went viral because shoppers joined in by creating an impromptu concert and the attendees loved it. They absolutely did, but guess who didn't love it? Come on, guess. Everybody else on the internet. That's right, internet critics grumbled that imposing faith in public constitutes harassment. (laughs) 
Something tells me that if this was a drag show for kids, social media would celebrate it as art and being stunning and being brave. Yeah, the world we live in. Speaking of wokeness, the top Netflix series for young kids, can you guess what it features? Well, it features a young boy prancing around in a tutu for his two dads. The episode pushes transgenderism and homosexuality to impressionable toddlers, and I am not going to promote it by giving you the name. I'm just going to tell you that it's on Netflix, and you shouldn't let your kids watch it. Finally, deadly persecution persists for believers in Nigeria. The latest Islamist raid there has left several Christians hospitalized, including young children attending a Sunday school. And we can add this unprovoked machete assault to years of church burnings and murders by Fulani militias who are seeking, quote, religious cleansing. Folks, as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure that you are praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Know your reformers. William Tyndale provided the first complete translation of the New Testament into English in 1526. While he was in prison for the crime of translating the Bible, he continued to translate the Old Testament until he was strangled and burned at the stake in 1536. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. This is Wretched Radio. Let's think about thinking, shall we? What in the world are people thinking when they identify things that you and I believe are evil, but they call them good? Which, by the way, should be a wee bit of a comfort to those of us who are rather confused about the world in which we live, where what is up is down. This is not the first time we've seen an inverted reality universe. Isaiah identifies a bunch of woe people. When you get woed in the Bible, you ain't in good sandals because God does doesn't like people that he's identifying with a woe. Cursed are those who say what is evil is good and what is good is evil. Isaiah chapter 5 identifies that it is not just the 21st century that has people whose feet are firmly planted in midair that are totally confused and backwards on just about everything. That should be a comfort to us. And by the way, the Bible does that regularly. For instance, if you have kids that are knuckleheads, And you're asking yourself the question, what did I do wrong? Why are the kids acting this way? The book of Proverbs should comfort you that this is not the first generation of foolish children. It's in their DNA. And it is our job to try to import wisdom into their brains. That is why Solomon, when he begins the book of Proverbs, he's begging the son, listen to me, please don't be foolish. Chapter one begins that way. After the short preamble, chapter two begins that way. Three, four, five, six, begging, please. You gots to listen. And what can we can conclude from that? Kids can be knuckleheads. In fact, all of them. We all were knuckleheads. And if your kid is currently being just belligerent, 
or your kid won't listen to you because you don't know nothing, don't automatically point the finger at yourself and conclude, it must be I. I'm the problem. Why did my kids turn out this way and others appear to be turning out turning out so fabulously? That is why for a lot of people, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, difficult holidays, because we all have a tendency to put up the best picture. Remember, when you see family and friends that look like everything is intact and harmonious, it's the best picture they could take. You've been in those nightmare scenarios, haven't you? Okay, everybody, we're going to get together for a picture. And then you finally get the group cobbled together in heights and locations, and everybody fixes their this and their that to get ready for it. And then they take the picture, and somebody inevitably says, let me see it. No, that's not good. I... My left eye was closed a little bit more than my right. Take another one so that everything looks right. And the reality is you don't get to see the squabbling that went into that pick. You don't know the strains and the stressors that exist in just about every family. Every family at some time, but most families regularly. You don't see it. So don't think that your family is totally disastrous because look at everybody. Look at that. And look at their turkey. Look at it. They didn't burn it. It actually looks moist. Oh, I'm a terrible fill in the blank. Be very, very careful and let the Bible encourage you. You are not the first parent who scratches your head and goes, God, the kids these days. Let's get back to Isaiah, shall we? Woe to those who say good is evil and evil is good. What is going on inside of their brains? That is what we are going to try to discern as we take a look at oodles. That's right, I counted. And the total is oodles, those stories that give us a little bit of an insight into a progressive mindset so that... We can understand what we're dealing with. Not so that we can write a snarky article. There, I read an article, and it actually had some good stuff inside of it. But uh, there's a term that I've been seeing regularly these days. Uh, it's like uh, to describe our politicians. Is it the the clown show? That's it. The 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 Joe Biden clown show, and it it's clearly disrespectful. Whether you think it's accurate or not, it isn't. A compliment. It isn't honoring to say that somebody's a part of the clown show, but we we do want to get a glimpse inside of their brains so that we can witness to them, not so that we can just fight with them, be agitated by them, call them clowns. No, they're the harvest field. Now, there are some people who are enemies of, of the cross, those who are trying to lead people astray, that are trying to promote ungodliness, those who are trying to undermine the authority of the Bible. They are indeed enemies, but we're still called to love them, and they are still a part of the harvest field. And so I want to know what's going on in there so that I can effectively share the gospel without putting up any stumbling blocks that might cause them to be agitated or annoyed. Article number one. This is from Tuscaloosa News. Where did I find this? I didn't. Thank you for sending it to idea at wretched.org. I didn't know which way this article was going to go. It's called Culture Wars. How shall we then live? That's Francis Schaeffer's classic question. Well, how do we live in this wacky world? I don't think Francis Schaeffer would come to the same conclusion that this author did. Because this guy is going to reveal himself to be an individual who believes that you, a Bible-based Christian, 
You are akin to, get ready for this, Schindler's List. Here's how the article begins. It, of course, gives us a recap of Schindler's List. This was Oscar Schindler and his desire to save the Jews. And he asked this question, how would you have behaved toward the Jews? That's a that's a great question. I think that you could spend some time ruminating on. Then he segues into the South. If you're a white person living in the South, when slavery was legal, what sort of efforts would you have made to defend people that were being whipped or abused? What, what, what would you have been willing to risk? And so now you might be asking, well, which party is he talking about here? Is he, is he talking about those of us who are biblical and who want to protect children? Nope, that's not the way that he goes. Quote, we are being taught by media and by certain politicians that those who are struggling with gender identity are somehow not like us, that we can freely discriminate against them. Oh, this gives me a glimpse into the mind of the progressive. They genuinely believe, they're wrong, but they genuinely believe that they are acting like Oscar Schindler or, or they're acting like a freedom fighter prior to the Civil War to, to release the slaves. They feel that they are the heroes in this scenario, that by defending Children, protecting children from those of us who say, oh, no, sir, doctor, you do not lay your scalpel on that child for that procedure. They're the heroes. We're the bad. We're, if you will, we're the slave owners and we're the Nazis. Are you getting a glimpse into the mind of the progressive? Quote, we are being taught that these people should be marginalized and denied medical treatment. They genuinely believe the mantra, the often repeated refrain of this is needed health care. You know, sort of like the termination of a child in the mother's womb. Women, they need health care, totally accessible to taking the life of their child. They actually believe it. They're totally wrong. It's utter nonsense. You couldn't take your child into a doctor's office and say, sir. My child, I've got to tell you, he's he's been acting a lot like he's been very squirrely, just very squirrely these days. So what I want you to do is take something from his body, cobble it together, fashion it to make it look like a tail, and then attach it to a vertebrae down down the lower end of his back so that he's got a squirrel's tail because... He's identifying as a squirrel. They would call for help. Um, you know what, ma'am? Hey, um, that's an interesting request. Can I just, my pager's going off. I need to step outside. Help, everybody, help. We've got somebody who's absolutely detached from reality in my office. I don't even know that this child should be allowed to be alone with this parent. That, that parent thinks their kid is identifying as a squirrel, and yet... A parent walks into a doctor's office and says, he's acting like a she, and he thinks that she's actually a girl who likes Budweiser. So take out your scalpel and do your work to pretend that my boy is actually a girl. But the individuals who are promoting this agenda, they genuinely believe you are the evil one. 
for thinking that children should not be put through those procedures. That's their mindset. They're the heroes. You're the villain to the tune of of the Jews in the hall or the the Nazis in the Holocaust and the slave owners in in the in the Civil War. This is the mind of the unregenerate. What do we do with this? How does this inform us and help us? Well, what you're looking at is you are looking at absolutely positively beyond the shadow of a doubt, not a logical debate because this is so illogical, it defies any semblance of common sense. You are in a different battle. You are in a spiritual war. And by understanding how unbelievers think, we might just be effective witnesses, which we will try to do next on Wretched Radio. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched hey hey thank you so much for listening to wretched radio today we certainly appreciate you we appreciate your time And we appreciate all of you who have given to this ministry over the years. Without your support, we couldn't do the things that we're able to do here. So we are tickled pink that you're a part of it. Now, I do want to speak to those of you that have given to us before, but maybe something came up in your life where you had to stop giving for a period of time. Nobody understands that better than we do. But I would ask that if you are able to maybe possibly join us again as an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would definitely welcome you back with open arms. We've got some exciting things on the horizon we can't wait to tell you about and we would not be able to do those things that we've got coming up without your support so if you're in a place in your life where you could join us as an ongoing monthly gospel partner we would love for you to prayerfully consider doing that all the answers to any questions you might possibly have about what this would look like is available at wretched.org donate wretched amazing grace amazing gospel so you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to write divide the word of truth in churches internationally well then we'll let paul washer convince you you have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word when we support a man coming out of tmai we know not only that he is properly trained but we know that he will still be supervised would you please join tmai the master's academy international in advancing the good news of the gospel of jesus christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. 
Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Important dates in Christian history. 385 AD, in Milan, Bishop Ambrose defies the Empress. This event helped to establish the precedent of the church confronting the state when necessary to protect Christian teaching and oppose injustice and corruption in government. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Gentlemen, you are officially off the hook. This is Wretched Radio. Before I share some very good news with tongue-in-cheek, to all the fellers who've had to endure a Hallmark movie, I would like to take a bit of a timeout. That's right. One, two, three, timeout on myself uh, to perhaps offer two encouragements. Encouragement number one. Hey, did you see that Satan had his head chopped off at the rotunda of the Iowa State House? Well, they put up a statue because they said freedom of religion. That even means Satanism. And a fellow who's a former sailor and current Mississippi politician went up to beautiful Iowa and lopped the head off of the statue, which means you're going to see a lot of Internet skirmishes, which means you're going to see a whole lot of fighting going on. Hopefully respectful, usually, unfortunately not. But this is an incident that is a bit of a mm, tangible event that forces us to have yet another conversation about Christian nationalism. And my encouragement is we don't want to bring that fight into the church. We can bring in that conversation, but we don't want to bring in the take off the gloves and knock each other out battles that are happening on social media. You're seeing them all over the place, high-profile individuals. And now some are more polite than others. In fact, I would have to say that the Jenna Ellis, Charlie Kirk internet skirmish, it was, it was polite. Charlie Kirk said the fellow who cut off the head of the statue is a hero and that we endorse these types of attacks. And they want to use the court system, too. Jenna Ellis saying, with all due respect, that's not the way. We don't war against flesh and blood. And she went on to hold a more traditional Baptistic-like position of separation of church and state. This is a powder keg issue. Please be careful how you discuss this in the church. Please be careful how you view people on the other side of the aisle on this subject. It is well worth having the conversation, but please don't let it blow up your church because it has all the potential to do that. Please don't undermine your pastor. If you are genuinely concerned about this issue and your local church's response, talk to him privately and respectfully. But let's not see churches dividing over whether or not we should lop off the head of Satan in a government capital. That's encouragement number one. Encouragement number two would be you and potentially becoming a financial gospel partner. It's that time of year. We don't normally do this on air, but because it is such a crucial giving season, the end of the year, and because we have a really generous matching gift. We want to make sure that we hit that goal. Would you please help us? Next year, we've got plans. We're launching a new initiative. We're going to be giving away another one. 
No, when I say we, you're going to be giving away another one million booklets, gospel literature, to hand out wherever you go. We will send them to you for free. That's next year. Together, we give away the gospel to a million people in their hands with compelling and persuasive literature. That, and we just keep on making transform, road trip to truth, wretched TV, uh, This would be the time to consider becoming a financial gospel partner if you can. If you are struggling, take care of your family. Give to your local church. If you're not struggling, please consider now becoming a financial gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate, wretched.org slash donate. And I guess, really, we have three encouragements. Gentlemen, you should be so encouraged. You've got a valid excuse for not watching Hallmark anymore. And all of God's men said, whew, what a relief that is. Headline from Christian Post, Hallmark leans into LGBT content, vowing more inclusion in 2024. So just, you can work on this in your car. Honey, I would just love to sit on the couch and watch another Hallmark movie and just snuggle buggle with you. But I I just don't think we should be supporting somebody that that endorses and pushes inclusion. So why don't we turn on ESPN, (laughs) which actually is pushing inclusion too. Quote, inclusivity rather will be a core goal going forward. We want people to see themselves in our movies. And we know people seeing themselves means there's a wider range of people who are excited when we tell their stories. Not considering there's a bunch of people who aren't that are the overwhelming majority. Nevertheless, more Christmas movies with inclusion, which just as an aside, I'm just saying, if the church said, hey, networks, corporations, government, Get your hands off Christmas. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be dealing with this at all. From Debunked, you can find their videos on the YouTube machine. Um, Lucy, you've heard of her, haven't you? But do you know the truth about Lucy? When it comes to so-called missing links between apes and humans, there's one that stands head and hairy shoulders above the rest. And I mean that figuratively because it was speculated to only be a little over three feet tall when alive. And I'm referring to none other than Australopithecus afarensis, my friend and yours, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Well, that's where the name came from. But it's just plain Lucy to you and me. And it's got some explaining to do because it ain't all it's cracked up to be. I mean that literally. First of all, this highfalutin technical name simply means Southern Ape from the Afar region, which is about the only thing they say that's accurate when it comes to the supposed hirsute hominid, as all kinds of creative and fanciful things happen along the way to make Lucy into the ultimate missing link. But before I go there, let's just take a quick look at how Lucy is often depicted. Here you go, uh, one right from a museum right there, another right from a textbook. Wow, look at her smiling and walking just like you and me. Now, did someone snap a photo of Lucy and the gang back then? I mean, is this how they found Lucy walking around, waving at him with a cute little smirk? Of course not. So then how did this artist come up with this rendering? Well, who knows exactly, but let me tell you how it all started. Way back in 1974, paleoanthropologist Donald Johansson and his team discovered Lucy in the Afar region of Ethiopia, or more accurately, I should say, they discovered less than 30% of Lucy's fossilized bones. That's right, 70% of Lucy gone. 
not found. Well, wait a second then. What specific bones were found that convinced some scientists that Lucy walked upright? It must be at least the feet and the hips, right? Indeed, my friends, you're so right. You're so smart. So let's take a look at the feet and the hips. Now, the main evidence supporting the belief that this southern ape walked upright is that they found, now get this, human footprints in Tanzania, Africa in 1978. Now, you heard that right. Four years after and hundreds of miles away from where Lucy was found, wow. they found human footprints, which of course means they must have been Lucy's. Huh? Not really convincing, especially when you consider the bones of Lucy that they did find did not include foot bones. What? what? Yeah, no foot bones, as in zero, zilch, nada, none, zippo. So if you don't have Lucy's foot bones, how do you know the human footprints hundreds of miles away were Lucy's. Well, maybe it's because they found other foot fossils they claim to be from Lucy's relatives. Only problem there is the toes were more curved than a chimpanzee's. That means the actual fossil evidence shows Lucy's family could not have made the human footprints. I don't know. Science Call us science deniers if that makes you feel better. But if the shoe fits, I mean, if the glove doesn't fit, you must. Nope. I mean, if the bones don't fit, well, whatever. Anyway, what about the hip? That's really going to prove Lucy walked upright like our rendering depicts, right? Well, you're going to love this part of the story, but before I go there, I got to throw two more facts at you for color and clarity. Fact one, after 40 years of research, Swiss scientists discovered something very surprising about Lucy. She ain't a she. He's a heaps. Or, or like they might say in California, Lucy's a dude, bro. So, uh, question. How in the world did the earlier nearly infallible scientists who were proclaiming Lucy as the unmistakable, irrefutable missing link miss this? I mean, this was pre-2020 and everybody knew the difference between men and women back then. Oops, probably shouldn't have said that. The fact dose. After making this discovery, scientists suggested a new name for Lucy. They suggested Lucifer. I'm not kidding. And quite honestly, it's fitting because this set of bones has been used to lie to more people than just about any other in recent decades. Now, back to the great story that I call the hip bone manipulator. DJ said these very words about Lucy's hip bone after he discovered it. Superficially, her hip resembled a chimpanzee's, which meant that Lucy couldn't possibly have walked like a modern human. Yeah, I know he said her, but that's before he knew she was a he. I, I'm very confusing. Anyway, if Lucifer's hips flared out like a chimps, making it so that it couldn't walk upright, what happened to change the hips so that what you see in museums and publications look like human hips? Man, you guys asked the best questions. Hmm. Here's the answer. Owen Lovejoy, an anthropologist, made a copy of the hip bones in plaster and then, and I quote, cut the damaged pieces out and put them back together the way they were before Lucy died. He did what now? Like I said, you're going to love this part of the story. He cut and put them back together. Now, how did he know that's the way the hip was before Lucy died? I mean, why did he take a hip that, quote, resembled a chimpanzee's and then rearrange? I mean, literally saw, cut, and reconstruct things to make it appear like a human hip. Well, that I'll leave for you to contemplate. But at least we now know that the foundation of the artist rendering of AL-288-1, nicknamed Lucy, a.k.a. Lucifer the ape-like beast, is completely unfounded because there's no real evidence that he, she, it, whatever the preferred pronoun might be, walked upright. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that either. Anyway, the point is this manufactured missing link, this unfounded depiction of Lucifer walking upright and smiling, this suspicious reconstruction of the hip, this incomplete bag of bones with no feet, and this embarrassing misgendering mistake pretty much demonstrate the claim that Lucy is the real deal has been, humanly speaking, debunked. Adios. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.